So we are living in a world where we're not running from the saber-toothed tigers. We're, we, we do get sick. We do have high cortisol levels because of our mortgages, our kids, the, the drive to work. But we're, we're not suffering from the same situation that we used to suffer from in, in the Paleolithic or even Neolithic eras when we're hunter-gatherers or even uh, farmers, the early farmers. What we're dealing with now is uh, we have an overabundance of food, but it can be quite easy to not get enough of specific nutrients because of poor food choices. What's up, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Light Podcast. I'm health expert Ted Rice, and today I'm coming to you from Vero Beach, Florida, where I am putting together this four-part series on what really matters when it comes to nutrition. So if you're new to this show, Legendary Life is all about clearing up health and fitness confusion by breaking down science-based information on how to lose fat, prevent disease, and live a longer, healthier life. So if that's what you're interested in, you are in the right place. And in case you want to know just briefly where I'm coming from, I've been in this business for 20 years, helping people actually nearly 21, have gone down a lot of different roads. And in this nutrition series, this is part two, where we're going to cover nutrient optimization. So if you haven't listened to part one, what we did is we covered fat loss basics. We covered the five, actually, I guess, uh, yeah, five most important aspects of nutrition when it comes to fat loss. So you want to go back and listen to that if you haven't already. So today, it's going to be about nutrient optimization. And what does that mean? I mean, you know, I wish I could come up with a better name for it, but basically, I'll, I'll say it like this. So if you haven't listened to the first one, one of the most important things that you can do with nutrition is maintain a healthy weight and a healthy body fat percentage. So there's some nuance there that I'm not going to go into. Go back and listen to the first one. But why am I saying that? Why am I talking to you about this? Because when I speak to people and they're like, I eat pretty good. I have a green smoothie in the morning and then I have a salad at lunch with salmon and then I eat this. I'm like, listen, you're fat. <laughs> okay. I don't say it quite like this because it's a little bit coarse, a little bit crude, a little bit rude to say this to people. But I say this and, and mostly I say it to guys because guys are always trying to impress me with their choices for nutrition. And uh, of course, I, I don't talk to women that way. I don't, say, I don't say things like that. I just wanted to let you know, right? But I do get people straight. And so I was having a conversation with, well, I mean, I've had many conversations with, like this, but someone was telling me how they were eating so good. And I was like, what's your body fat percentage? Most of the time, people don't know. But I was like, okay, if they know their body fat percentage and they're over 20%, it's like you're overweight. And if you're over 25%, and this is for men, by the way, then you're obese, right? And if you have a BMI of a certain range, I forget what the cutoff is slipping my mind right now, but then you're overweight or obese. You're not in a low risk weight or a healthy weight. So it really doesn't matter what you say you're eating. Now, this is crucial. And if I sound like I'm condescending a little bit, 
believe me, I'm not because I used to believe in all this stuff. I was 23% or 22% body fat at my fattest. I was 210 pounds and I was eating all this stuff. I was spending my whole paycheck at Whole Foods. So this is the most important one, the fat loss, maintaining a healthy weight. If you're not doing that, it doesn't matter what you say you're eating or what you're actually eating or how much money you spend at Whole Foods or the types of exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods that you're eating. It just doesn't matter. Are we clear on that now? Cool. Because we're going to move on to the second most important thing, which is nutrient optimization. So after we get into a healthy weight or healthy body fat percentage, again, some nuance there, and both are important. Those huge roided out muscle muscle guys, um, that isn't healthy for you, even though if they have low body fat uh, level. So just to you know, throw that out there. So weight is important as is body fat. And if you know your weight, which 99.9% of people do because we all have scales in our bathrooms or somewhere easily available to us and we all know what we weigh, make sure you know what your body mass index is, your BMI. And then beyond that, if you want to take things a step further, get your body fat tested. Get your body fat tested. I'll tell you, I have every single coaching client get their body fat tested, and they're always surprised at how it's always higher than what they think. So if you think you've got just a five or 10 pounds or maybe even 15 to lose, it's much higher. I guarantee you, much higher than what you think it is. Don't believe me? Go get an InBody or a DEXA scan or a Bob Pod. So beyond that, let's get to what today is about is nutrient optimization. And what are we really talking about? After fat loss and maintaining a healthy weight, what we need is to make sure that we're getting adequate from nutri- adequate uh, nutrients from the foods that we do eat that help us maintain a healthy body fat and healthy weight. Why? Two big reasons. Nutrient deficiencies. So People are deficient. In fact, we're going to cover the top five common nutrient deficiencies, the ones that I I look up and the ones that um, are most common and um, I think are more more relevant, most relevant to you. And we're also going to cover something called triage theory. Now, triage theory is something that you may not have heard of before, but the idea is this. Triage theory says, and and it's developed by Bruce Ames. And if you're familiar with Dr. Rhonda Patrick, which we really shouldn't call her doctor, but Rhonda Patrick, PhD, she learned from Bruce Ames. And Bruce Ames is is the main guy, one of the top researchers when it comes to nutrition. He came up with this idea, this hypothesis that turned later into a theory because there's evidence to support it that the body uses whatever nutrients are available to ensure that the most basic and important metabolic functions are fueled first. For example, if you need a nutrient that isn't available, the body compromises long-term health to ensure short-term critical function. So in other words, maintaining the pH of your blood is more important than your bones Because the pH of your blood, if it's off, can be a huge deal. Bones get brittle later on in life, but it's not 
that's long-term health, but short-term health is more important. Does that kind of make sense? And this is analogous to the triage situation in an emergency room. I don't know if you've ever been, probably, or at least you've taken your kids and you realize when you sit down with the nurse at the beginning or doctor, they prioritize a patient's needs based on the severity of his or her situation. In the same way, our bodies naturally triage on a daily basis. So cells will sacrifice nutrients from non-survival functions for immediate physiological needs. Now, I've already given the idea um, of using calcium to balance out the pH in your blood versus the calcium being used in your bones to maintain strong bones. Blood pH takes precedence over strong bones. Another one is, another example is that nutrients will be diverted from tissue repair to meet more critical needs, such as fighting off an infection or secreting cortisol stress hormones to deal with an imminent threat, right? So you're not concerned about repairing your muscles if, uh, you're, if, if you're fighting off an infection. It's a more pressing concern. So your body knows the difference. It, it, it knows without you having to think about it, knows the difference uh, between an immediate threat and something that's more long-term. So the thing is here, however, uh, is that when there's not enough nutrients available, this often, you know, this often leads to, or let me say it like this. So we are living in a world where we're not running from the saber-toothed tigers. We're, we, we do get sick. We do have high cortisol levels because of our mortgages, our kids, the, the drive to work, but we're, we're not suffering from the same situation that we used to suffer from in, in the Paleolithic or even Neolithic eras when we're hunter-gatherers or even uh, farmers, the early farmers. What we're dealing with now is uh, we have an overabundance of food, but it can be quite easy to not get enough of specific nutrients because of poor food choices or because we don't vary our food, our foods enough. Now I'm not a person who is really into like, Oh, I make sure I eat different things all the time. I think it's more convenient and works better to eat the same thing regularly. That said, we do need to be aware of certain things. So let's dive into it. Let's dive into the uh, top five common nutrient deficiencies here. So uh, the first one that I want to talk about is magnesium. Now, magnesium, I'm bringing up first, not because it's the most common deficiency, but I think it's one of the most important deficiencies to deal with in uh, in our modern world because magnesium is a key mineral in your body. It's essential for bone and teeth. Um, it's also involved in more than 300 enzymatic reactions. And the issue here is that almost half of the United States population consumes less than the required amount of, of magnesium, according to this study in PubMed. So low intake of magnesium and low blood levels of magnesium are associated with type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease, and osteoporosis. And not only that, but magnesium 
is something that if you're if you feel like you're under a lot of stress or if you are someone who has trouble sleeping, magnesium can help with that. In fact, some of the main symptoms of this is severe magnesium deficiency, but they include abnormal heart rate, muscle cramps, restless leg syndrome, fatigue and migraines. So magnesium is something that I take every day before I go to bed because while I do go out of my way to try to eat uh, dark chocolate, which is very high in magnesium, I, I go out of my way to eat a lot of dark green leafy vegetables and uh, almonds happen to be quite rich in magnesium. It's still hard to do, right? Still hard to do. For example, I, I haven't been eating that many dark uh, green leafy vegetables recently, although I have had quite a bit of, uh, I always, I travel with cocoa, by the way. So I travel with cocoa powder and I just finished this dark chocolate drink. Um, so that's a great way of getting in magnesium. And I'll give you a little uh, tip here, a little bonus tip is that for my coaching clients, what I tell them, if they're in, if they need a chocolate fix, get baking cocoa powder, which is just, you know, just cocoa powder and mix it in warm almond milk, warm, unsweetened almond milk. And even though it's unsweetened, just a combination of almond milk and the cocoa powder, it has this natural sweetness, but it's very low calorie. And you get a nice, uh, you get your chocolate fix, you get some magnesium, and it's a way to keep the calories low and the nutrients high. So there you go. That's the first deficiency that I think we should all pay attention to because it's just, it's one of those things that's involved in stress, in sleep. And that's something that I don't know one person in the modern world who isn't dealing with that. Do you? <laughs> so the next one I want to talk about is vitamin D deficiency. Vitamin D, because it's really important. So vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin that functions like a steroid hormone. In fact, it's not truly a vitamin at all. It is a steroid hormone. Now, don't get, uh, don't get it, don't misunderstand or get it twisted, as the cool kids say. It's not a steroid like testosterone in injecting testosterone or something like that. It's steroid is just a class of hormones. It's the chemical structure of the hormone. So vitamin D acts like a hormone, travels through your bloodstream and into the cells, turning, telling them to turn genes on or off. And almost every cell in your body has a receptor for vitamin D. Now here's what's really important. Vitamin D is produced by exposing your skin to sunlight and then using the cholesterol that's in your skin. So most of us, there's a, a big fear in the West of sun. And it leads to people with lower vitamin D levels. And the best way to do this is just to get your vitamin D levels checked. And you, usually if you have a good doctor, he'll be doing that. Or she, actually, you know, honestly, I prefer women doctors, not guys. Best doctors I've ever worked with were women. And it's kind of a, a thing that I'll go out of my way to do. So just FYI, a little tangent, but FYI. So anyway, this can be an issue, especially if you live north of the equator 
and or and and or you have darker skin because the reason the true reason that people human beings have darker skin or lighter skin has to do with where they evolved and the amount of sun exposure in that area you know and who they had babies with too but that's for another podcast that will never be done actually so that's the reason some of us have higher amounts of melanin which gives people their dark skin tone so if you are a darker skin tone whether you're from india or africa or if you have indigenous you know heritage what am i trying to say here uh if you're south american perhaps and you have darker skin tone because you have a history of uh native south americans or you know a native americans if you have darker skin tone you're going to want to be more uh cognizant of this if you live in an area where there's less sunlight or it's farther away from the equator you want to pay attention to this or if you're like as a lot of people i know you just stay indoors all the time even if you live in a sunny area and you barely get out at all you want to pay attention to this and again the best way to do this is just to have your vitamin d levels checked when you go to the doctor and although vitamin d deficiency is common it's not obvious and the symptoms are subtle and develop over years or decades so adults who are deficient in vitamin d experience muscle weakness bone loss and an increase in fractures in children it can mess with uh their growth and soft bones so if you're one of those parents who are like no little johnny never go out in the sun you're going to get cancer so that's something that you want to be aware of don't mess your kids up because you think you know something about sun exposure and cancer actually what it i'm not going to talk about this right now but i will say this it is not chronic low level sun exposure that is the problem that means oh i go outside i get about 10 minutes of sun and this is what i personally do by the way to top off my vitamin d levels but uh it's not it's getting burned that is the problem not whether you have sun on your skin or not So if you're getting burned regularly because you don't get any sun and then you go on vacation in Cancun and uh you know you're you're not you don't put suntan lotion on your kids and you don't put it on yourself or you don't put it on frequently enough and you get really red and your skin peels uh you've messed up and increased your chance of getting cancer. But if you just get out there get sun exposure and get a slight tan there's no problem. in the future I'll I'll get someone on who really has dove into the science of that because it's such an important thing but uh I I just wanted to tell you that now look very few foods contain significant amounts of vitamin D so you can take cod liver oil you can eat fatty fish and you can eat egg yolks but the problem is it's really questionable uh and obviously you can take a supplement but it's questionable supplements are questionable cuz it seems like people who raise their levels naturally uh it, it has <clears throat> excuse me has a different effect versus taking a supplement now it's still better to take a supplement and to you know eat your cod liver oil or whatever to try to raise your levels instead of just having low levels but probably the best way because 
Uh, you know, before all the scaremongering about sun came about, I mean, we were outside doing things outside for the majority of human history. Yes, we want to be mindful of uh, skin cancer and the excessive skin exposure, excessive sun exposure that causes it, but we don't want to say, we, want, we don't want to be all or nothing, okay? And obviously, check with your doctor. And um, if your doctor says something silly, fire him, get a new one. And uh, that's, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that. So the next thing I want to talk about, the next, next deficiency here that I want to cover is calcium. Calcium is really important. In fact, one of the things that is, that's a bit different about, it's a bit different than what I'm used to coming back to the States is that, uh, you know, the, the food choices here are so different. This episode is sponsored by Organifi. Do you want to know a secret that all my coaching clients follow? It's really simple, but powerful. Add vegetables into each meal. But let's be honest, most of us, including myself, don't eat the recommended servings of vegetables and fruits each day. So for those of us who are on the go or have trouble eating healthy, having a greens powder makes it easy to get your greens in every single day, no matter how busy you are. And that's why I use and recommend Organifi Green Juice, a superfood powder that you just add water to so that you can get your greens in even when you're on the go. The best thing about Organifi Green Juice is that it actually tastes great. But don't believe me, try it for yourself. And use the code TED20, that's capital T-E-D, the number 20, at www.organifi.com. O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. That's Organifi.com to receive 20% off your first order. But hurry, this is a limited time discount for Legendary Life listeners. Now, back to the episode. So let's talk about calcium. It is easy to get calcium in, in, in Thailand, where I spent most of the time, but just in Asia in general, because, you know, you're eating... Uh, a lot of, for example, a lot of things have bone broth and you'll have bones in it. And a lot of things have bones in it and you can eat the bones. So let's talk about calcium. Calcium is essential for your bones, as you know, although your bones are mostly uh, collagen protein, but your calcium is essential for bones. It's essential for every cell in your body. It's especially essential during times of rapid growth. So for your children, and it also is a signaling molecule that helps your heart muscles and nerves work properly. In fact, your heart muscles and nerves wouldn't be able to function. We're not going to go into that. But another thing is that, as I mentioned earlier, the calcium concentration in your blood is tightly regulated and any excess is stored in your bones. So if your intake is lacking, your bones will release calcium. And that, that's an example of the triage theory that I mentioned at the very beginning. And that's why most common symptom of calcium deficiency is osteoporosis, which is, as you know, or osteopenia, which is characterized by softer and more fragile bones. So one survey in the United States found that uh, Fewer than 15% of teenage girls, fewer than 10% of women over 50, and fewer than 20%, 22%, sorry, of teenage boys and men over 50 met the recommended calcium intake. 
So even though calcium supplementation can increase numbers slightly, a lot of people just still aren't getting enough. And um, so if you're having an issue with osteoporosis, osteopenia, obviously it can be a bit more in depth and more complicated. There's hormonal reasons this stuff happens, especially in women. But uh, one of the things that you can do is make sure you're eating more calcium. So boned fish like sardines, something that I eat regularly, uh, eating more bones is what it really comes down to. You can even eat bone meal. And I, I mentioned this in part because there's a big scare about dairy. Actually, my dad asked me, because I'm in Vero Beach visiting my dad, he's like, hey, I just heard that yogurt is one of the worst things you can eat. Is there any truth to that? I said, whoever, whatever idiot that is that said that, the research is pretty solid that for most people, for people who are not lactose intolerant, uh, dairy is associated with you know, higher calcium intakes, better body composition, so many positive things. So that whole thing, like don't drink milk because what other animal drinks milk, right? Do you know any other animal that drinks milk beyond being a baby? Do you know any other animal that drinks another animal's milk? It's like, yeah, do you know any other animal that flies uh, through, flies halfway across the planet in 15 hours, Right. Do you know any other animal that uh, argues online on Facebook? Look, it's just not a good argument. Um, I used to believe that, right? I used to think there was merit to that argument, but there really isn't. So it doesn't have to do with like our our ancestral practices, although there's a lot of good things from the ancestral practices. What, what it also has to do with is what are the actual effects based on the studies, on the more recent scientific studies. And I'll just tell you this, it is pretty clear that eating dairy is a good thing just beyond the calcium supplements. Okay. So I want to say this, some studies didn't, because some people will want to like take calcium supplements, or if you're a vegetarian and you don't eat dairy or a vegan, you're like, well, I get enough I, I eat kale, spinach, bok choy, broccoli, et cetera. You're, you're not going to get enough from, from that. And you may resort to calcium supplements. And some, in, some interesting studies have demonstrated that there's an increased risk of heart disease in people taking calcium supplements. Although there are some other studies that found no effects. So it, well, I'm just kind of saying here, it's best to get calcium from food rather than supplements. These supplements seem to benefit people who aren't getting enough calcium in their diet, but I would go for the real deal instead of uh, taking supplements, just as a general rule. Magnesium is a bit different, and that's uh, one of the only exceptions, I would say. So let's talk about the next nutrient deficiency, which is iron deficiency. Okay, iron deficiency is important especially because um, it's an essential mineral. It's the center of your red blood cells. And really important, there are two types of dietary iron. There's heme iron, which is very well absorbed, and it's only found in animal foods, especially, with, especially in red meat. And then there's non-heme iron. This is found in both animal and plant foods, and it's more common, but it's not as well absorbed. Now, I'll tell you this. 
Iron deficiency is one of the most common nutrient deficiencies in the whole world, affecting more than 25% of people. So this is a big deal, especially for women, because around 30% of menstruating women may be deficient as well due to monthly blood loss, and up to 42% of young pregnant women may be deficient as well. Vegetarians and vegans obviously have an increased risk of deficiency because they only consume non-heme iron. So you're getting iron from beans, for example, but it's just not as well-absorbed as heme iron. So what are the most consequences? How do you know that you have an iron deficiency? Well, the most common is anemia, which is the number of uh, your red blood cells and your body's ability to carry oxygen, right? So you can easily do a test at your doctor to figure this out. And symptoms of this include tiredness, weakness, a weakened immune system, impaired brain function. So this is really important, important stuff. And the best sources of heme iron, so the better absorbed iron, is red meat, organ meat, shellfish, and actually canned sardines are really good as well. All right? So but red meat and organ meat. So it's something that, you know, I I respect vegans and vegetarians. I mean, it's a very difficult diet to do, but I I was a vegetarian for a year until I realized it just was not for me. That was when I was, I think, 19, actually. But uh, I, I know how hard it can be. I don't think it's optimal for health, but most people do it because... So don't listen to what the health or any of those other cowspiracy or any of those other things. Red meat is, is, there's no issue with eating it unless we're talking about processed red meat. And maybe you don't want to eat it all the time because you can actually get too much iron. For example, there's hereditary hemochromatosis, which actually my father has. He has to give blood because iron levels get too high. And iron can get into your joints and cause problems and just cause problems with your heart. So he actually has to give blood. So uh, again, this is about having the right amount of iron. And actually, he might be, he might more uh, benefit from being a vegetarian in that instance, right? So those people might actually benefit from having more non-heme iron and less heme iron in their, in their diet. But uh, it's, that's a specific situation. So if you don't have hereditary non uh, hereditary hemochromatosis, uh, it, then then it's not something you really need to worry about. So there is, of course, you get non-heme iron from things like dark leafy greens, uh, some seeds like pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, and from beans. Right? A lot of people say, "Oh, I get your iron, just eat beans." But again, it's that non-heme iron. And by the way, what about supplements? Well, you shouldn't you shouldn't supplement with it unless you're working with a dietitian. Uh, someone, so in other words, someone who really understands the medical side of things. Right? I'm not that person. Uh, by the way, I don't help my clients. I don't treat medical situations with nutrition. So you would want to talk with your doctor or really a registered dietitian about that because too much iron can be very harmful. You don't want to supplement with it. 
Also, just keep in mind, vitamin C can enhance the absorption of iron. So if you're eating vitamin C rich foods or taking uh, like like uh, kale is quite high, actually red bell peppers are, are crazy high in vitamin C. Uh, vit- uh, guava is super duper high in vitamin C. I was eating a lot of guava in uh, Southeast Asia, just delicious guava. Uh, but taking that alongside iron-rich foods can help maximize your absorption. And obviously, supplementing with vitamin C is one of the things that I uh, actually recommend um, as well. So doing that can enhance iron absorption. So if you're a vegetarian or if you're having problems with iron levels, making sure you're getting enough vitamin C can help a lot. And so the last deficiency we're going to go into is a B12 deficiency. Now. Vitamin uh, B12, or also known as cobalamin, is a water-soluble vitamin. It's essential for brain function, nerve function, uh, blood formation. Every cell in your body needs B12 to function normally, and your body is unable to produce it. So therefore, you got to get it from your food or you got to supplement with it. The thing is that B12 is only found in sufficient amounts in animal food, although uh, certain types of seaweeds have a bit more. So if you're if you're a person, and I say this because I know that vegetarianism and veganism is kind of on the rise. There's all these documentaries that are getting people to consider plant-based eating. And, and I think uh, eating more plants is good. I think eating only plants is uh, not as good. I think it's an extreme. It's like the the reverse of the keto diet or the carnivore diet. You know, I think it's fine to be an omnivore, but uh, a lot of people do it for very different reasons. And I respect that. And let me tell you, I've been to some markets in Asia where they chop up animals and you see all the different parts of the animals. And um, I think a lot more people would probably be vegans and vegetarians if they saw what I saw, but we buy our packaged pork chops and ribeye steaks and chicken breasts and chicken wings at the grocery store. And we're completely naive and protected really from the truth about the butchering that goes on with animals. It's the right word to use. So so I, I get it for all the vegetarian and vegan listeners out there. So which there's more than a few. I've uh, had many emails from you. So I appreciate you and, and glad you're listening. And I, I do my best to kind of step out and, and help you as well, as well as explain, you know, this to the people who aren't vegans and vegetarians, but it, it can help them understand things better. So really important. B12 absorption is a little bit more complex than other vitamins because there's a protein involved known as intrinsic factor. And some people are lacking in this protein. And so you may need higher doses of B12 or like like even injections. So what are some common symptoms of vitamin B12 deficiency? Well, there's megaloblastic anemia where your blood, uh, your red blood cells are enlarged. There's uh, symptoms like impaired brain function, elevated homocysteine levels. And which is a bit controversial. I'm not going to go into it. So where do you get the vitamin B12? Well, obviously, if you're a vegan or a vegetarian, you're going to have to supplement with it because the main sources are shellfish like oysters, clams, organ meats, 
red meat, eggs, and milk products. And one thing I want to tell you is vitamin B12 isn't considered harmful in large amounts because it's often poorly absorbed and you get rid of it, right? Uh, in fact, that's the joke when you take vitamins is that you're creating expensive urine. So that's kind of the situation there. And I just want to finish up by talking about triage theory and about superfoods and functional foods, just very briefly. So really important that we can lose fat, but we, if we're deficient in vitamins, we're not getting optimal amounts, which we're not going to get into what are optimal amounts because nobody knows. Nobody's quite clear on that, but it can lead to long-term problems. Now, I want to talk about superfoods for, for a second. Now, I want to tell you this. Superfoods is... Uh, there's not really any superfoods. There's foods that are more nutrient dense. In other words, you get a lot of nutrients for very little calories. And then there's nutrient poor calorie dense foods where you get a lot of calories and think about sugar. Sugar doesn't have any, even, you know, people say, oh, but honey, it's natural and it has, it's loaded with potassium. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's mostly just sugar. It just has a little bit and you would have to eat a ton of honey to get any real, <laughs> like uh, any real meaningful vitamins and minerals from it. Now, you know, if you're eating, I, I don't want to get into this, but if you're eating like the royal jelly or something like that, you may get some other things, some of the enzymes, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about vitamins and minerals. So focusing on nutrient dense foods is, is a good thing, right? So uh, people say superfood, but what is superfood? It's just a food that's very nutrient dense. And I want to talk about something called functional foods very briefly because there is a class of foods. Now, superfood is kind of bullshit, right? I'll use it sometimes because I think it, I think it sounds cool, but it's really a marketing term. Is that clear? But there's something called functional foods that I want to just briefly describe it for you. It's a type of food that has properties, health properties that go beyond just the nutrient value of the food. I'll give you an example. Watermelon is my favorite functional food. Watermelon has potassium in it. Watermelon, which all you know, fruit has. Watermelon has lycopene in it, which many different vegetable or fruits have. Uh, for example, tomatoes has lycopene. Uh, it has fructose in it. So it has uh, carbohydrates, which there's nothing wrong with fructose unless you're already overweight and your fat stores are full and your liver is, uh, you know, getting fatter because your, your stuff, your liver will, you, you can get non-alcoholic fatty liver disease if you're overeating fructose, but it only happens if you're already fat. Okay. So, um, so there's no problem with the, the fructose in the fruit. Um, so just kind of being comprehensive here, saying that for comprehensiveness, but what does watermelon, why is watermelon a functional food if other foods have, you know, fructose, have uh, lycopene, have potassium? Well, watermelon is the highest natural source of the amino acid called L-citrulline. So L-citrulline in high amounts can improve your blood flow. And L-citrulline has been uh, proven to improve erectile dysfunction and improve basically circulation in everything 
related to circulation. So that's a way to, now you could supplement with citrulline, but you could also get enough citrulline from watermelon because it's a nitric oxide precursor. So that's an example of functional foods. Spirulina is another one. So there's foods that have benefits beyond their nutrients. And this is different than superfoods. Does that make sense? Now, I'm not going to go too into functional foods today. If you're interested, maybe I can do a functional food uh, podcast sometime, if that's something you're interested in. But what I want to tell you right now is if you are confused about this stuff, if this seems like a lot to do on your own, and you know that having a coach is the fastest way to get the best results in your nutrition, to transform your body, to optimize your energy levels so that you can kick some serious ass in life, and you'd like me to be your coach, go to legendarylifeprogram.com slash apply. That's legendarylifeprogram.com slash apply. Now, if you'd like to see what I do with my clients and get them, how I get them amazing results, how I create body transformations, as well as all the, the internal transformations, the emotional health that they build with working with me and going through my program, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash free to watch my free masterclass. So that's what I have to say. We will go into gut health in the next installment of what really matters when it comes to nutrition. So I hope you enjoyed this. And remember, you're looking for someone to help you with this stuff. Go to legendarylifeprogram.com slash apply to apply for my coaching, either my group or one-on-one coaching. And if you're new to the show and you want to see a little, you want to learn a little bit more about what I do to see if my approach is right, go to legendarylifepodcast.com slash free. Watch my free masterclass. Again, there's one for men, one for women. There's nothing to buy on the masterclass, although there's an invitation to hop on a call with me to apply for the coaching group if you resonate with what you see in the masterclass. So that's all I've got for today. Hope you enjoyed this. I've got a a great one coming on gut health. So you want to stay tuned for next week when that gut health one comes out. Can't wait. Hope you enjoyed it. Have an amazing week and I'll speak to you on Friday.